Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsudliff.com. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. All right, everyone, welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sada Flody, and today I'm so excited to have on with me Dr. Kelly Kasperson, and she is a urologist that practices in Seattle. And this episode is about everything you need to know about erectile dysfunction. Um, So before I get into it, the first thing I want to make very clear is that I am not giving any kind of religious or medical advice. So if you're having any concerns about your health, please speak with your medical provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please ask your friendly neighborhood religious leader. It's the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman who talks about sex. So Kelly, so happy to have you on. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so maybe you can tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, and then we can get into the topic. Yeah, so I'm Dr. Kelly Kasperson. I'm a board-certified urologist. I practice in Washington State. About two and a half years ago, I started a podcast called You Are Not Broken, talking about female sexual function and dysfunction. That's coming off of training of caring all about the male, right? So urology stereotypically cares about male homologous structures to the, the, the male clitoris, as you will. Yes, very awesome. And and I definitely, um, maybe you could let our listeners know about your book that just came out. I'm so excited to get a copy. Yeah, so the book's called You Are Not Broken, Stop Shooting All Over Your Sex Life, not just geared towards women, it's heterosexual female focused, because I do think the heterosexual female is a sexual minority. She is without a lot of education in our country and the world. But I think any gender, any sexual orientation is going to gain a lot by looking at your views of sex and sexuality, your shoulds on your sex and sexuality. And even for the people who don't own the female structures, if you happen to uh, be sexually involved, with one of them, understanding their body more and how we think about sex is only going to help everybody. So it's up on Amazon, ebook, paperback, hardcover. Audiobook will be out later this year. I have to, I'm going to record that in Seattle in August. That is so awesome. <clears throat> so excellent. So yes, maybe um, let's go on now to the topic that we have today. I'm so excited to hear more about it. Um, erectile dysfunction. So Maybe you can let us know a little bit about it, the incidents, and um, you know, tell us more about what happens. Yeah. So erectile dysfunction is basically a erection of the penis that is not suitable or long-lasting enough for penetration is, is typically how we use it. Now, that tends to denote a heteronormative view of what the penis is used for, right? But so basically that you aren't able to sustain an erection enough to have sexual satisfaction. Um, very common. It really depends upon what study you read of how common it is. Becomes more common with age, certainly over the age of 40. And the reason it becomes more common with age is because this is a body function that is affected by age, stress, and then 
cardiac things. So they really consider erection and erection status to be a cardiac indicator. They call it the canary in the coal mine because mm. these are micro vessels and it's a micro vessel disease that when the blood flow becomes impaired into the penis, the penis is basically a pump, right? What we have to do is we have to put the blood flow in, we have to compress around to make the blood flow not go out and then you have an erection. So anything that affects either the nerves that stimulate an erection or the blood flow can cause erectile dysfunction. Also, the brain being the biggest sex organ psychologically can cause you know, stress or anxiety, can be big contributors to erectile dysfunction, performance issues. You kind of get into a feedback loop. Well, it didn't go well last time. Is it going to go well this time? Just that pressure can impair erectile dysfunction. Big things that people don't know that cause erectile dysfunction is smoking. I personally believe it should be on the packaging. This might make your penis break. And then lots of other, my brothers are firefighters and they, you know, there's tobacco use in that culture. And they, you know, have told their friends like, dude, you know what that'll do to you? Because their sister's a urologist. And I'm like, you know what that does to your penis? Like smoking's horrific for your penis. Same with clitoris, right? Same homologous structures, not great for erection desire. Um, and then high blood pressure, medications for high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, diabetes, the same way that diabetes affects the nerves of the eyes and the hands and neuropathy, same thing with the penis. And I see a lot of guys come in and they don't know that their lifestyle choices have now affected the function of their penis. Sure. That's amazing. You know, and that's, it's amazing. Um, I didn't think of it that way either in terms of cardiovascular disease. That is a very good point. Yeah. If a guy goes, comes in with erectile dysfunction as his main complaint, uh -huh. he's supposed to be screened for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, things like that, because it is such a, a kind of a warning, a bellwether of the state of his cardiovascular function. Again, not always, but it's so common that in some, some studies you'll read like erectile dysfunction will preclude a heart attack by a couple of years. Wow. Amazing. Does it again? That doesn't mean everybody with erectile dysfunction is going to have a heart attack. It just means sure. this is a symptom of. It can be a symptom or a sign of heart disease, atherosclerotic disease. Sure, and you know, um, heart disease is very common in the southeast um, population, southeast uh, Muslim population, but just not even Muslims, but just Southeast Asian uh, people have very high. Um, heart disease rates. So this is very important news for us to know about. Um, maybe you can, so I know you mentioned a little bit about the physical causes of erectile dysfunction. Um, are there any others such as metabolic disease or Parkinson's or something? Um, yeah, I mean, of that? anything that causes issues with nerves, right, uh -huh. can, cause, can cause issues with erectile dysfunction. Uh, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, history of stroke, you know, all that stuff. And what about um, any psychological causes? I know that you had mentioned before that the brain is the one of the biggest sexual organs. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's interesting if you look, you know, history, history of the erect penis. But before the advent of Viagra, mm -hmm. we just thought it was we being the, the urologists at that time, the, the experts at that time, thought it was all psychological that only the brain controlled the penis. And if the penis didn't work well, it was the way you were thinking or you were too stressed or because we didn't know the role of the vascular and how that worked. Well, Viagra was actually being studied as a high blood pressure medication. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work for, it's not a very great high blood pressure medication. So they terminated the study and they asked the people for their medications back. 
and the guys weren't giving their high blood pressure study drugs back. And they're like, well, what do you mean this helps with erections? Erections are just caused by the brain, right? And they're like, no, 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 it helps. It works. It turns out, you know, Pfizer bought it. It becomes a blockbuster, best-selling drug in the United in the entire world. One of the only drugs recognized by the look of the pill, right? You don't even need the the brand name. You just know what, what it's for. So turns out to be a huge, huge thing. But what happened is we forgot that the brain caused any sort of erectile dysfunction. We just thought, you know, the solution was it was blood flow and Viagra. So it's almost like we're kind of coming back into remembering that the brain does affect erections and performance anxiety, feelings of not being good enough, certainly like comparison, right? We Guys will compare themselves a lot to what they might be watching, whether it's porn or something else. Um, stress, anxiety, depression, all of that can cause issues with erections. Sure, sure. And are there ways that you can prevent erectile dysfunction? Be as healthy as you can be, right? So it's heart. It's basically heart health. You want to be a healthy weight. We know that increased uh, adipose tissue can convert testosterone to estrogen. Uh, there is a higher rate of erectile dysfunction with increased weight. So that that, and it's not just any sort of pounds that you want to be, but lower body fat specifically. Mm. Uh, muscle and gaining muscle and lifting weights is great for testosterone and erectile dysfunction. As is cardiovascular exercise. They've taken guys with erectile issues gotten their health back on track and and some not all erections will come back the most striking data that i that people don't know about is the role of alcohol on erectile mm -hmm. dysfunction there's actually a recent study out of china <clears throat> excuse me looking at moderate drinkers with erectile dysfunction they completely got them sober and checked on their erection status not too long after it was about two months after and the recovery and erection is profound when you stop putting alcohol into your body. Wow. It's really important. And any complications that perhaps you can tell our listeners about regarding erectile dysfunction? Complications like side effects of Viagra or like what happens? Yeah, side penis? effects of Viagra, but then also, I guess, you know, within um, their relationships, right? Oh, yeah. Them, yeah. Well, what tends to happen, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm stereotyping, but what can tend to happen, especially in a heterosexual, heteronormative view of sex, is that people believe that sex and intimacy is involved with just putting a penis in the vagina. And when either something's wrong with the vulva or the vagina or the penis, and that falls away, it can be devastating, and all intimacy stops. Like, we're not even holding hands. We're not even cuddling on the couch. Like, it's like, I can't put something in the vagina, so it all goes away. And for people to realize like, oh, we're not intimate at all ever since this erectile dysfunction, right? Things like that. Of like, you don't have to stop all intimacy and we don't even have to have sex that involves putting something in the vagina. And it's like I'm speaking a complete foreign language to people because remember, they've been indoctrinated into decades of thinking they know what sex is, right? There's right. actually a lot of knowledge and expansive view on this that we can learn from our non-heterosexual friends and colleagues of what their, their view of sex is much more expansive. Um, and learning how to, the other tip on that is learning how to talk about sex with your partner before anything's gone wrong, right? Like I've, we've never talked about sex before. We've never had to negotiate this. I've never told you what I like and now something's broken. 
And so it's like an extra layer of, of weight and stress versus like, hey, we've navigated this before. We navigated it, you know, after we had kids. We navigated it when I started doing perimenopause. We navigated it when I had my pelvic surgery. I had my hysterectomy. We navigate sex throughout our relationship. This is just another thing to navigate instead of something that completely devastates the couple. Yes. That's so important, right? Is that open communication. And I think it's great what you mentioned about discussing sex throughout the different phases of your life, right? And how to approach it and different ways to approach it. And that it's not always penile vaginal intercourse. There's different ways to attain emotional intimacy with your partner. So I think that's fantastic. 100%. Um, so what about some treatments? So you mentioned Viagra. Um, are there other treatments for erectile dysfunction? Yeah. Well, number one, just for the psychological component is sex therapy, right? Which again, you know, as you know, there's not enough sex therapists anywhere in the world, let alone America. But just, you know, either dealing with a coach or reading books to understand like, what are your views? Why are you stressed? How do you communicate? Really can go, the performance anxiety is real, especially for the penis owner, right? Like they actually have to have a body part do a very specific thing. Whereas, you know, the female might not as much have that performance and anxiety component built in. Uh, and there's a lot there to uncover. As far as medications go, Vi Viagra was the first on the market. There's about four, I call them cousins. They're all cousins. They're very similar um, as far as how long they last or how do you administer them. But they all basically do the same thing. They help, they help keep that blood flow in the penis longer. Um, the next step after that is Elprostadil, just called Trimix, a couple of different brands. It's either an injection into the corpora, kind of the meat of the penis, or in the urethra. Um, people, you have to be comfortable with the needle in the penis. It's kind of like next level stuff. Um, does tend to work more than the pills, though. It's very kind of tissue specific. Usually you see a urologist to get a prescription for that. And then kind of the end of the line, and the reason I say that is it actually destroys the corpora, is a penile implant. Works great mm -hmm. for sex. It's an erection on demand. People who are happy with it love it. But it is the end of the line, meaning if you have some uh, sexual function left and erection left, just be warned, you know, if you ever had to get the pump taken out for whatever reason, or it malfunctioned, you're going to be left with no function because of actually mm. how it's put in. But the penis pump is for the right couple and the right individual, a game changer. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. And um, have you heard of, I'm sure you've heard of the P-Shot. Can you tell our listeners what the P-Shot is? One star. Don't approve. Save your money. <laughs> Um, so it's it's investigational. It should if you're going to do it, you should only do it within the setting of a clinical trial. That's what the AUA guidelines say. Uh, the P shot and the O shot, they're proprietary. They are um, making a lot of people money again because they don't understand all the things we've talked about. Basically, it's platelet-rich plasma injected into the penis. There's a lot of different things people put into their penis to try to get more length, more girth. Usually, they have devastating side effects and devastating consequences. I think the worst thing you're going to get with the P shot is a more empty wallet and it's just not working. Mm. But remember, yeah. this is what's so fascinating about sex studies, the placebo effect in sex studies, right? So you take a guy, you give him Viagra, you take the other guy, you give him placebo. The placebo is going to have an erection 40% of the time. Wow. Same thing when we talk about female desire drugs, right? We got the placebo effect in female desire in female studies about 50%. 
And again, that just shows the role of the brain in sexual function. Yes. You give me a pill, you tell me it's going to get make me have an erection. Look what happened, which is fascinating, right? Like that's cool right. stuff. But no, right. if I pay a lot of money and you put a needle into my penis, it might give you an erection, even though it doesn't technically work any better than placebo does. So I think we're we're seeing that as well with the O shot and the P shot. Where do you? What role do you think mindfulness plays? You, and you mentioned that a little bit. But, you know, with erectile dysfunction. Yeah, well, let's, I mean, let's break down mindfulness for, you know, the people who don't want it to be woo-woo, right? Like I wrote my book because of the books that say like, breathe into your spleen and you'll have greater desire. And I'm like, people don't know what that means. So for people who think they like need to be on a meditation cushion to have better sex, you can and it does work. But for people who don't want to do that, what mindfulness is, is the ability to control your thoughts and where they're going, right? So you can't have great sex if you're focusing on the future, if you're focusing on the past, or if you're focusing on like the performance anxiety of your current moment. And they call it spectatoring, right? Like watching yourself have sex. So good sex doesn't happen in any of that. And what mindfulness is, is the non-judgmental allowance of the thoughts to come in. You see them, you let them go. You don't latch and cling onto them. And so when we, people have been trained in this technique, when those stressful thoughts come in, oh my gosh, is it going to work this time? They're able to say like, you know what? I'm just going to be here and feel the sensations and love being with my partner and it doesn't matter. I'm going to let that go instead of like clinging on to that thought and anxiety. So my, I, I'm big, big pro mindfulness, but it's good to break it down for the people who are like, uh, do I have to change my religion? And it's like, no, 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 no. This is just paying attention to the thoughts and knowing they're not who you are and you have power in letting them go. That's great. So, um, Kelly, uh, tell us, uh, you are a coach, right? So you, you're like this amazing woman. You're a urologist, you're a podcaster, you wrote a book, you're an author, and you're also a coach. Are you a coach only because I'm a coach as well, but are you um, a coach for both men and women or are you a coach? Tell me a little bit about your coaching. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm really any gender, any sexual orientation, because who doesn't, who can't get better at sex, right? Um, there's this quote, it's like, nobody's so good at sex that they can't get better at it. Um, but I really do believe that the heterosexual female is a sexual minority. Um, you know, that's my take. Because every, every time I talk about who I love to take care of, people try to change my mind and like make me focus on other people. And I'm like, this is just another point that like the heterosexual female is completely dismissed in sexual discussions and in sexual pleasure and in prioritizing her as a sexual being. So I love I love them that is kind of my niche but and that's what my group coaching tends to that's who I tend to attract, right? But I'd say about 15% of my podcast listeners are heterosexual men because they didn't get any of this education either and right. they're interested, they care. They want to be involved. They want to know how sex can be better for the person they want to have sex with because then that means they have more sex, right? So it's it's certainly not a uh, nobody's welcome sort of situation. That's awesome. So maybe you can tell our listeners then how they can get in touch with you and we'll put your um, Instagram handle on our show notes and how they can get in touch with you and um, purchase your book. Maybe you can let them know. Yeah, I'd love to. So I'm most active on Instagram, Kelly Casperson MD, and that's my website as well, kellycaspersonmd.com. Um, podcast called You Are Not Broken, and then the book's called You Are Not Broken, Stop Shooting All Over Your Sex Life, totally available on Amazon and 
I'd love for people to read it. The, the, the feedback's been amazing. It's very approachable. It's not written in a medical text sort of format. It's very friendly uh, and normalizing. So I hope, I hope people look it up. I love that title. Well, thank you so much. And I think that we are done here. So it's been real and really intimate. And remember, this is not meant to be any type of medical advice. So please see your healthcare provider for any concerns you might have. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsadaf.com. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Thank you.